Thursday afternoon, the Tony G Show. Mm-hmm. We welcome back Will McCormick. How's it going? I missed you on Tuesday. I know, I missed you too. It was just talking to myself. I was a little sad. Me and Tony G Nation on Tuesday. It's okay. At least, hey, we, we picked up right where we left off. We didn't, you know, nice easy start to the show today. Didn't take 15 tries to get it going. So. No, not at all. See, yeah. here's what happened. Coming off my birthday over the weekend. Tony's messing around. And I feed Will McCormick some of the leftover cake that I have. It's not a cake. It's well, cookie cake. What is it? You're just going to call that a cookie? Yeah, it's like a gigantic cookie. Or a cake that's made mm-hmm. of cookie. Okay. I let Will have a piece. Yes. I said, Will, you want some of that piece? I can't finish it all. <laughs> Knowing that myself, I'm coming off of two pieces today. One for lunch and then one just in passing. And I go, Will, you want a piece? And he has a piece. And now we're both sugared out of our mind. Yep. Not focused, not nothing. <clears throat> But uh, we're good to go for the Tony G Show. We have a good show planned for today. I'm actually really excited about it. We're going to talk Ryan Braun, who just announced his retirement for the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll talk Packers. I, t- I said on Tuesday that I'll save Packers' discussion for Thursday. We'll get Will's thoughts on it, too. And, of course, Tony G's Picks of the Week, everybody's favorite segment in Sports Talk Podcast. So that's our show today. Uh, once we get going, uh, I do want to ask you, though, Will, how'd you golf today? I know uh, the answer. I just Pretty remember. terribly. It's about, <laughs> it about, a... it about 1 in 25 shots were like, oh, like, okay. Sure. Like Again, were... just beginner standards for Will. Yeah. But I've, like, debuilt since the first couple of days. First That's couple right. of days, I was swinging really good, and it's been progressively worse. We're talking exponential. Yeah, it's... But not better. Quite, I mean, significant, the drop-off that you've had. It's been a negative exponential. There was a tree by the driving range of the golf course that we go to. That you yep. just, I mean, railed. It was about, <laughs> it was about, you know. I could have heard it from the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, you but, cracked but it, that thing. But, but it was like, <laughs> it was like, I mean, how, how hard of an angle would that have been for me to hit that? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. There's like two portions of this driving range. There's one to the right side. There's a little bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. And then there's one on the left side. We were on the left side one. Will rockets this ball <laughs> to the right side of the driving range. It was like 70 yards and nails to the a right. tree about what would you say 100 feet up? Probably, no, you didn't get it that probably. high. I mean, yeah, you just there. railed this tree, this yeah. poor tree. I was aiming for that, and that's what you said. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's one way to bounce off mm-hmm. that. But I mean, you could have heard that from the parking lot. It's okay. I was aiming for it. You'll get better. I do want to say thank. I said this on Tuesday as well. You know, we had our uh, Ben Cole interview this week. Yeah. Just released it yesterday on Wednesday. Getting good feedback on that as well. We thank Ben Cole. He did great. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was really good content. Fun guest. For everybody. He was fun. He was very elaborative and thoughtful. And so we appreciate Ben Cole coming around. But I said this on Tuesday, and I said I wanted to say it to you on Thursday. I want to thank you for your producing capabilities oh. that you did for that. Thanks, man. And, it's, yeah. you know, and as we talk a little bit more, it's something that you... Uh, say you're interested in continuing doing for our interviews, producing it. Mm-hmm. We turn your microphone on, we flip it on, and it's on. open it up just like a show. Mm-hmm. But you opt to focus more on the volume and making sure that everything is good getting recorded. So I wanted to say that to you on Thanks, the podcast. Man. I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah, you, you do. You do good work, and uh, um, you know it, it's our thing. I always tell Will, you know, especially when we first started, Will was like, "Is this too much talking? Or this or that?" And I go, "All content is good content." Mm-hmm. So it's always been my policy for the show. Yeah, but, that's why the mic's on, I guess. But, but focus we do on open up Mike, Will's mic, but he just uh, he yeah. opts. That's his commitment. Take care to, of Tony G Nation. Take care of Tony G Nation. So he does that for you. At Willis5312 on Twitter. Thanks, Will. 
Oh, yeah. You ready to get into it? We got a good episode today. Ryan Braun, Packers, and Tony G's Picks of the Week. All right. Season 7, Episode 4 of the Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. Yes, thank you, Troy. Another episode of the Tony G Show set to get going. Let's start here, Will. Ryan Braun announced his retirement from Major League Baseball as an active player. The longtime Milwaukee Brewer earlier this week said he's no longer going to be in the mix in a free agent market to get signed by a team. He spent all of this year on the free agent market, unsigned to a team. He spent it all with his family this entire time. He hasn't been on a baseball diamond since the last time he was signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. So he has not been a factor to any team this year or to Major League Baseball as a whole this season. And he finally announced his retirement, said he's he's ready to step aside. He's got a family to take care of. He's going to come to Milwaukee towards the end of the season to kind of say one final goodbye in person to the Milwaukee Brewer organization. This hit home for me. Mm-hmm. It did. As a, as a man who has spent his entire life in a Wisconsin market, watching the Brewers since he was a youngin', since as far as I can remember. Yeah. Ryan Braun has been a huge part of my life as a Milwaukee Brewer in, in terms of the sporting world, especially baseball. 14 of our 21, 22 years of life is That's a great way to put it. Him in a Brewers seasons he spent in Milwaukee. And Will and I, 21, 22 range. That's a lot of our That's life. That's a lot of years that we spent watching Ryan Braun in a Milwaukee Brewer uniform. And it hit home for me personally because, you know, fun story, uh, Grandpa Frank, Frank Giordano, mm-hmm. no longer with us, passed away 2016. Him and I would call each other every time Ryan Braun would hit a home run <laughs> That's awesome. for the remainder of his life. Now, granted, I was getting a little bit older towards the end of his life, 14, 15, and 2016 eventually. So we wouldn't hit every Ryan Braun home run. But when I was younger and spent more time at home, not necessarily out with friends or doing this or that, mm-hmm. every Ryan Braun home run, we'd call each other, see who could race to the phone and call each other. <laughs> you watching the Brewer game? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So Ryan Braun was a huge, huge part of our family. You know, Grandma saw that. Mom saw that. Everyone in the family knew that Grandpa and I bonded over Ryan Braun and the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's been a part of my life, Ryan Braun has, as Will said, for 14 of my now 22 years on this earth. He's meant a lot to me. He's meant a lot to the Brewers. He's meant a lot to Brewer fans around the world. He's fought some adversity that you, I was going to say you could argue, but it, I mean, there's no other argument to be made that he brought upon himself. There's a lot of adversity that he's had to overcome. We'll get to that. I want to start this conversation by talking about this, though. What did he mean to Milwaukee as a brewer? We'll start with stats. As we mentioned, 14 seasons in Milwaukee. Going to do a lot of stat reading. Get ready for this. Fifth all-time in Brewers history in batting average at 296. First all-time in Brewer history with home runs at 352. Second all-time in Brewers history with RBI. Over 1,100 runs batted in. Second all-time in Brewer history in extra base hits. Third all-time in Brewers history in runs scored, stolen bases, and hits. Hits at 1,963, over 200 stolen bases as well. Over 1,000 runs scored. Huge offensive factor. Good defender as well. Had a great arm in left field for the Brewers for a lot of years. Let's look at some of these advanced stats on the offensive side for Ryan Braun. 
Third all-time in Brewer history in war, wins above replacement, and offensive war at 47.1 and 50.2. He had the highest win probability added in Brewer history at 33. Talk about some of the awards he won. He was a rookie of the year in 2007. Was an MVP in 2011. We'll talk about the season in a bit. Betting 332 when I did my homework, because Tony G does his homework, you know. I found out that he hit 332. I mean, I knew that, but I just mm-hmm. never really remembered that. Like, oh, Ryan Braun hit three. That's, that's a high batting average. That's crazy. No one does that in this day and age with the era of strikeout and home run. Right. No one hits 330 anymore. So that's a special stat in its own right, not to mention that he added 33 home runs and 111 runs batted in. That was the season that he beat out Matt Kemp of the Dodgers for the MVP award. He's a six-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slugger. But even more than that to the Milwaukee organization is what Ryan Braun meant. He was more than a player. He was a leader. I remember this story very vividly. 2012, Brewers coming off a year where they were expected to compete. They just went to the NLCS, lost the year before in 2011 to the Cardinals. 2012, they were expected to be good. Kind of had a tough falling out. Rough May. They went 6-22 in May of 2012. And Ryan Braun wrote a letter to Brewer fans. How many people you hear do that when their team is in a, sl- in a struggle, in a slump? Not many. Not many. Ryan Braun took the time to do that. I'll never forget that. Because I, I had never heard of something like that before. A player step up and take responsibility for a team's struggles when he knew that it was a team that was supposed to compete and they were letting the fans down. Mm-hmm. He took it upon himself to say, this is on us, this is on me more than anybody. And I, on behalf of the Milwaukee Brewer players coaching staffs in front office and organization as a whole, apologize to you, the fans, for our struggles in the month of May of 2020. Never forget that. He was a leader. He always had that sense of speaking ability, too. I mean, he, even in his retirement video, he was always well-spoken, always mature, always stood up straight. It's thought out. Exactly. Always thought out, patient, and genuine. Now, you can argue genuine or not if you want to but I don't think it's really necessary because Ryan Braun stood up with that maturity and professionalism when he needed to the guy was a leader for this Milwaukee Brewer organization and more than that as well more than the on the field stuff more than the baseball stuff he was a community member he was a guy that would go out into the community help build houses for uh, people in need of them go out and help with groceries and stuff like that he was a member of the community addressed Brewers fans, as though they were on the same level, the same playing field. Never player, fan, always community member of Milwaukee. Always. Not to mention that he played his entire 14-year career in Milwaukee. So what's the point of all this? What's the point of bringing this up and talking about this and discussing this? Ryan Braun. Because he came to Milwaukee... At a time when Milwaukee, the Brewer organization, needed someone to rejuvenate their organization. The Brewers were on a trajectory to not compete for a lot of years. They already hadn't competed in a lot of years until Ryan Braun came around. They hadn't seen the postseason since 1982. Over two decades, almost three decades. That's kind of crazy. Without postseason baseball in Milwaukee. It is crazy to think Mm -hmm. about. And the first year they went back, 2008, granted that was the CC Sabathia year, had a lot of talent on that team, mm-hmm. but also Ryan Braun was in his second year, coming off a year where he just won the Rookie of the Year award. 
The year that he came in and won the Rookie of the Year award, the year was 2007, the Milwaukee Brewers had not won more than 80 games since the early 90s. More than 80 games. It's a 162-game schedule, Will. (laughs) That means they didn't finish over 500 since the early 90s to 2007. I believe the year was 1992. In fact, in that year, 1992, Will, the Brewers were 92-70. and This is just a fun fact that Mm -hmm. I found because Tony G does his homework. 92-70, 92-70, and 70 and they didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> That's tough. That's rare that That's, you win 90 games. And yeah, it's a tough break. I guess. I, baseball was competitive back in the 90s, so I guess it only makes sense. But the point here remains that the Brewers were not a 500, over 500 team for sure, but not even a 500 team for nearly a decade and a half, almost two decades, until right. Ryan Braun came around and changed things. Now, of course, there was Ricky Weeks. There was Prince Fielder. There were other – Giovanni Gallardo mm-hmm. on the pitching side. There were other names that played an important factor in making Milwaukee baseball successful, but none bigger than Ryan Braun. Well, he stood the test of time compared to to everyone else. That's a great point. At least in, in terms of the relationship with the organization. You speak about that. Prince Fielder left, went to Detroit, then Texas. Injury ended his career, so that unfortunate situation for Fielder. But Ricky Weeks stuck around in Milwaukee, and his play tapered heavily. Mm-hmm. Heavily. I mean, the guy wasn't hitting over... I don't think the guy was hitting 200 for his final couple seasons in Milwaukee. I mean, he was struggling. Ryan Braun, that's a great point, Will. Withstood that entire test of time. Opted to re-sign in Milwaukee because he was such a part of this organization that he opted to stick around and commit himself to being a better baseball player than he was before, even though he was coming off a Rookie of the Year award, mm-hmm. even though he was coming off the first postseason for the Milwaukee Brewers in almost three decades, even though he was looking towards building a championship-caliber team. He wanted to stick around and make that the reputation of Milwaukee baseball. However, with any highlight story, with anything that is a peak story or a pinnacle story, a success story, there's always adversity. And Ryan Braun faced that in 2013. It was really 2011, Mm -hmm. 2010 to 2013, when a lot came in question about his use of performance-enhancing drugs. There was the whole situation where he got tested, tested positive. That news broke. Then he came out and said that, the guy who tested him was a Cubs fan, mm-hmm. said that there was some mishandling with that there. I never used PEDs. Lied. Said he never used steroids. 2013, he finally gets caught in what was the biogenesis scandal where a load of baseball players, more than ever before at one given time, mm-hmm. at one point in time, were suspended. On July 22nd, In 2013, Ryan Braun was suspended for 101 games. And all of a sudden, his reputation changed. He went from a guy who was on the track of turning Milwaukee baseball around to being successful, coming off of a Rookie of the Year award, coming off an MVP award, coming off all these postseasons, which I've mentioned, 2008, 2011, almost 2012. And now, all of a sudden... He is faced with this adversity, and his reputation has changed drastically. I remember he came back and played with Milwaukee. The first time he came back and played, he was booed heavily. And I was booing from home, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. I remember there was the Ryan Braun jersey, which had duct tape over it, and used some of the letters, I believe the U in Ryan Braun, or maybe the AU as well. And the duct tape over it changed the Braun name to Fraud. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely AU. Yes, a lot of <laughs> resentment towards mm-hmm. Ryan Braun at that time, especially it's, when he came back and played. The treatment of 
PEDs and athletes is super interesting, isn't it? It is. Because yes. you have people in the in the like the club that like with Barry Bonds and like because yeah. he was so great that it doesn't matter. Yep. But then you have players like Braun who's like good. And I'd argue, you know, he he was great. He's great. Oof, he's sure. a great player. But he's certainly no Barry Bonds. But it's it's interesting like there's like this like there's a certain part. I'm always enamored by this because like I cuz I float around I it's float never around the same situation with two, Yeah, two I, I just float players. around on like my opinion about the PED thing. Yeah. I and, talked about it on Tuesday as well. Yeah. It, you never know. Right. It's really it's just it's interesting because People's attitudes towards it change depending on who they're talking about. I, I think I want to tweak what you said a little bit because I don't. Th- I'm trying to think of how to put this in the moment here on the Tony G show. It's I think it's an in the moment thing for fans. Then yeah. once they realize this player that they've attached their alliance with for so many years, even in the case of Ryan Braun or even like an Alex Rodriguez, where they come out and say, "I didn't, I didn't cheat." I didn't use PEDs, and then they get caught for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that hurt and that pain that really speaks to that immediate impact. Yeah, I would agree with that. But then, like, I just don't understand, or I can't. I guess I can never understand because I didn't grow up watching Barry Bonds. But like, and I'm just put, using him as an example because he's probably the most well known, probably the most prolific example. Right. But I can't imagine watching watching a player for his entire of his career, and then at some point. You find out that he was cheating, like that. Yeah. To me, I would that should equate to the same sort of feeling. So that it's just interesting that certain players get certain treatment based on who knows. Yeah, it's it is interesting because if a player has career ahead of him, like in the case of Ryan Braun, how is he going right. to be treated for the remainder of his career? I but, think people realize Barry Bonds used steroids within his career, just the amount of production that he had, mm-hmm. and the. I think the thing with Bonds, this example, is that his size of his jersey kept growing. True. And, and I guess... At an enormous rate, by the way. Yeah, and we're looking at two different eras in terms of just like... Very different eras. Social media plays such a large role. And Correct. I mean, there probably weren't kids in college doing this. No, no. At that time. Yeah. Maybe, but... Well, maybe Ryan Braun was in Miami at... Uh, I mean, like, not there, there weren't kids in college doing talk shows in their oh, living room. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It, maybe there were, but not many. Not, not as many as today. No. It was more so like just... Internal, like let's have the buddies over and have a talk, right. I guess, instead of external, like a podcast. But either way, either way, the the thing with steroids, and to wrap this back into the Ryan Braun discussion, the thing with steroids is that there's no two examples that are the same. No, I mean, there's there's, there's really always, not. Everyone always praises Nelson Cruz because he's a he's forty plus and he's hitting all these home runs. He was in that same biogenesis scandal, got right. suspended with Ryan Braun in 2013. People forget mm-hmm. that. People praise Bartolo Colon because he's the that bigger pitcher who. Everybody just kind of falls on because he's the fluffier guy and everyone kind of likes him. Mm-hmm. He was suspended twice for steroids. Right. Wasn't there something with, uh, wasn't Brady using some sort of substance that was kind of like, or was that Peyton Manning? That was, I think it was Manning. Probably Manning. It was kind of like on the edge, like, uh, like. Football example here. Matt Prater, everybody praises him for being this great kicker, has the, lo- has the record for the longest field goal kicked in the NFL, mm-hmm. 64 yards. Did yeah. it in Denver, one thing. Air's different down there. Right. And he was suspended for steroids. Later in his career, yeah. So, it's 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 interesting. It is interesting. It's a it's a dynamic between multiple. Uh, but I I think it, it's yeah. There's a lot of variables. Correct. There is, but I think it can also speak, especially in the case with Ryan Braun, that if a if a player still has career ahead of him, how is he going to rebuild this reputation? And in the case of Ryan Braun, 
He did that. Yeah, totally. Somehow managed to rebuild that reputation, especially with Milwaukee, who resented him. Mm-hmm. In 2013, the 2014 season was rough for Ryan Braun in Milwaukee. He managed to rebuild it with his sense of community as a leader and as a player. He still produced, passed whatever tests he needed to pass, and apologized as well and just moved on. He did what he had to do, paid his dues, and moved on. Now, I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying that he still is deserving of that MVP award because Matt Kemp was on his tail that 2011 year. Mm-hmm. And the difference was the Brewers got to the postseason, the Dodgers didn't, so they gave it to Ryan Braun. So maybe after he got suspended for these PEDs, maybe you know Matt Kemp is worthy of having that MVP under his belt. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in any way excusing or condoning mm-hmm. the fact that Ryan Braun used steroids just because he was a Milwaukee Brewer. The point I'm trying to make is that he rebuilt his image in the eye of Milwaukee. A lot of people still remember it, as they should, but a lot of people have set that aside. Still keep it in the back of their mind, but they've set it aside to respect what Ryan Braun has done for Milwaukee. So that, I want to post this question. How should Ryan Braun be remembered as a Milwaukee Brewer player? And I want to say, yeah, he used the steroids. Can't forget that. But he rebuilt that reputation because he was a sense of community. Because of his sense of community that he had in Milwaukee. He was the community member. He was more than just Ryan Braun, the Milwaukee Brewer player. He was Ryan Braun, the Milwaukee Brewer resident. Not only that, Will, I want to open this up for discussion and kind of end this argument that I've been to this conversation that I've been posing by saying this Ryan Braun should be respected and remembered because he defined an era of Brewers fandom you can't argue that Ryan Braun changed Brewers baseball forever oh yeah the, all the success that the Milwaukee Brewers are having right now making the playoffs coming a win away from the World Series in 2018 Ryan Braun was on that team 2019 getting to the playoffs 2020 Ryan Braun on the, on the team, getting to the playoffs. All the success that the Brewers have had since 2008, even 2007, Ryan Braun has been there. Ryan Braun has defined an era of success in Milwaukee. Consistency. Consistency that no one else, the Richie Saxons of the early 2000s, couldn't do. Ryan Braun defined this era of fandom from Milwaukee Brewers, fans, the organization, and the team in general. All this success wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Ryan Braun. Now, you can, you can talk about the fraudulent actions of having the steroids like I mentioned. But you can't argue that the success Milwaukee is having would not have come if it wasn't for Ryan Braun. In the late 2000s to 2010, 11, 12, up until that point where he got busted for steroids, and then success continued in Milwaukee. So I think, to answer your question, at least the way that I look at it from a unbiased perspective is I think the answer to how you'll be remembered is kind of a symptom of, of of the time. I think for you and I, you'll be remembered as like a consistent, you know, hitter for the Brewers and player, community yes. member, everything. Yep. But I think as time goes on, it'll be like, oh, Ryan Braun, Braun excuse, Ryan Braun, that's the guy who you know, cheated. Yeah, that's kind of It's kind of like I couldn't name two things that, you know Barry Bonds, other players that we listed off have done well, and that's just a simple. People tend to tend to focus on the negatives in life, yeah, absolutely, and, and, and the you know, the merits that surround those players, which is it's sad, yeah, but that is the reality. So I think when we look forward down, you know, multiple generations, it it could be the the steroids that stand out in his career, which is too bad because he did have a 
phenomenal career. And I think to that point, to kind of build off of that, well, people do remember those negatives. I remember Ryan Braun, for the remainder of his career, until the point that he wasn't re-signed in Milwaukee, until the point that you know, every year that he played after he got suspended, was booed in Chicago. And I mean, you're going to get that. It's rivalry. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm not in any way saying that, oh, they shouldn't do that. But it just goes to show that how much that sticks with somebody. And that's right. something you can't forget, but it was just so prolific with Ryan Braun, and even like Alex Rodriguez, because they lied about it. Right. And people remember that and are hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Not saying they shouldn't be, but I'm just trying to say don't forget the positives that Ryan Braun has done. Right. Especially to stick around after, I mean, supposedly, you know, cleaning up those actions. Yeah. That shows that they definitely have the ability to play. And that's kind of a symptom of, you know, not to make excuses for using steroids, but if a ton of people are and you need to stick out and <laughs> keep keep your job. Yeah. Yep. It's hard to, to, to say no to that. Yep. I can't say that I ever the would. The competitive side of it. I mean, if you want to look and, and stand out the part and make money, that's kind of the sad reality of sports is that it's such a show yeah. that you have to stand out and you have to resort to cheating. But I guess at the same time, that's what makes it art. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not saying, you know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just interesting that yep. people, like the lengths that players will go to to stand out and make that money that's just a symptom of our the way it's set up in our society which sounds so like i don't know i'm not trying to get deep or anything you are socrates of. over there yeah <laughs> socrates on the mic i we have a couple of minutes before we get to packers football mm-hmm. so i want to take it here i think ryan braun retired now september for a reason i think ryan braun wanted to be part of this brewer organization once they started having success I think what he thought was that he was going to remain an active player on the free agent market so that the Milwaukee Brewers, who were good but needed a piece offensively, would come to him and say, well, sign you for one last year. Let's Mm -hmm. go win a World Series. Turns out the Milwaukee Brewers had such a good year that they didn't need a piece offensively that Ryan Braun could establish. So they said, we're not going to re-sign you. Got to September. After September in baseball, once you add a player to your roster, to the 40-man roster, the active roster, that player is not eligible to follow you into the postseason. Mm. So whoever is eligible for the postseason has to be on your roster, or I suppose in your organization. I don't know the fine detail. has to be in your organization by the start of September or oh, a certain point in early September. I never knew that. So once it got to that point where even if Ryan Braun was signed, he'd be maybe on the Brewers for three weeks, and then wasn't eligible to participate in postseason. So they, Ryan Braun was like, well, I'm not going to be part of this postseason run. I think it's time to call it a career. Because I remember early summer, I think it was late May, which is actually pre-summer, Ryan Braun put something on Instagram, a video of him hitting, and tagged the son of the owner, Mark Antanasio, of the Milwaukee Brewers, the owner. Hmm. Tagged his son in it. They must have a relationship or something mm-hmm. like that. But people saw that as a cryptic message that Ryan Braun's still training. Ryan Braun's still productive. He wants to come back and play in Milwaukee. Brewers never really did anything because they didn't need to. They were better than I think anybody thought, right. better than what I thought. I mean, goodness, they're 30 games over 500, have been for the last month, you know, give or take a few games. So I think they got to that point where, like, actually, we don't need that piece we're pretty confident in what we have moving forward into the Mm -hmm. postseason never reached out to ryan braun the way ryan braun thought they would ryan braun wasn't offended by it 
and just kind of took it in stride and say, I'll retire, I'll step away. I'll come back in late September, last home series or such. Say goodbye to Milwaukee and wish you guys luck in the postseason as a professional right off into the sunset. So I think that's what happened. What do you think? You think that's logical? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything. I don't have a basis for that. But I just think on the outside, my perspective is that Ryan Braun was anticipating maybe like 10 games over 500 competing Mm -hmm. for the division. And the Brewers, as it turns out, are currently running away with it. Yeah. That does make sense. I mean, I I have no proof or validation that if he received (laughs) any offers yeah there's literally no basis to to say that if he rejected offers from other teams or if he even was offered anything but yeah i didn't hear any rumblings that does make somewhat sense to me i mean you're gonna tell me another player couldn't use or another sorry not another player another team couldn't use a little extra firepower in him sure yep so it it is interesting that he didn't sign with anybody but he's also on the older end and for for clarity's sake you're right he is on the older side and that's exactly where i'm going i think I just want to put this out here, clarity of the argument that I'm making, is that Ryan Braun knew he wasn't 2011 Ryan Braun. Knew he wasn't 332, 30 home runs, 100 runs batted in type of Ryan Braun. He figured, though, that he could be maybe, and I don't want to put it into stats because he could have been signed in, like, June. Mm -hmm. How do you tell stats from June on? But I think he felt like he could have been productive. Maybe not an everyday type of guy. But maybe like the fourth outfielder, which I think maybe could have worked out. Jackie Bradley Jr. is not hitting 200, which weighs on me heavily. They signed him to be that fourth outfielder, and he sucks offensively. Great defender, Gold Glover. But offensively, he has not got it done. So maybe, who knows? It's just up to history to to decide if that would have worked out or not. Interesting things to think about. None of it, however, overrides the fact that Ryan Braun defined an era of the Milwaukee Brewers organization, who are, is celebrating its 50th year now in its 51st because of COVID last year. Right. Snuffed out those celebrations. So over 50 years of Brewers baseball, Ryan Braun defined an era of himself. There was the early 80s, late 70s, maybe even mid-80s as well, with the Robin Younts, Paul Molitors, Hank Aarons. That was like 60s, I guess. That was the first era, though. Hank Aarons, 60s. Get to the 80s, it's Robin Yount, Raleigh Fingers. Uh, Paul Molitor, and then you get to, there's a big gap, like a massive gap. You get to the new rebranding of the team, the new stadium, opened in 2001, where it's like Richie Sexton, Greg Vaughn, guys like that, and they host the MLB All-Star Game. And then you get to the 2010s, 2008 and on. Who's the main figure in Mm -hmm. all of these successful years of 2007, 2008 and on? Ryan Braun. Can't overlook that. From one Wisconsin sports team to another, I've waited for this conversation for today, so Will McCormick could take part in it. Thanks, Tony. You're welcome, Will. I think I, I knew. I knew this was – I mean, why would we not talk about it? But uh, We have to. We always talk about the negatives. We never talk about the positives when it comes <laughs> to the Packers, and it irks me. See, here's the thing, though. What positives were there from week one, Will? No, I'm just talking in years past. I get it, but I'm saying with week one, what positives were there? Uh, none. Here's the – Question I want to pose, open it up for discussion. Are the Packers as bad as they looked in week one? Are they really that bad, or was it like a Saints good and, you know, Saints got the win 38-3 to again in Jacksonville uh, because there was the Hurricane Ida flowing through New Orleans and, and such like that. Before we go through all the stuff you have listed, yep. can I just give you my synopsis? Yeah. yeah. Is that the right word? Synopsis. synopsis. Yeah, that's a great word. Wow. Okay. You are really, you're really bringing that Dr. Field. Trying. 
trying. That deep, like, philosopher presence. Mm-hmm. Okay, go for <laughs> it. What did you see? What do you think that the Packers did wrong? What do you think they did good, if anything? And what do you think for the future? What I noticed, at least, I didn't watch the first quarter. And I caught, I think I caught, like, maybe the second half of the second quarter. I was going to some family, some friends. Yep. Um, I noticed a lot of walking. It seemed like there was a lot of receivers kind of running their route, making their first cut, and then just kind of giving up on the route. A lot of just, like, that level effort from the whole team. And you kind of wonder, like, back in the high school days for me when I was playing soccer, it's like if we have this team, like, we'll walk them. And then you play with that attitude coming out of the gate, you play terribly. You play so bad. And then you see the second stringer guys come in. They're running hard routes. They're running fast. They're moving. And they, they move the ball. Granted, they didn't score. But they moved the ball. So I kind of wonder if they had this attitude where it's Jameis Winston. Is he really that good? We're going to be fine. There's no Drew Brees. We're going to walk them. And they came in with this, like, I don't need to put that much effort in kind of attitude. Arrogance. And it just seemed, and I could be wrong. I, you know, I didn't watch the game, like, with my eyes glued to the screen the entire time. But when I was watching, it seemed like there was a lot of walking. And I'm not saying that they walked their routes because they certainly ran. But the effort post that first cut, it just didn't seem like it was something that was like elite level. I think. And that goes with, all the way around. With what you said, absolutely. I think there was one piece in particular that played. And I'm not going to, you know, this isn't some Adam Schefter type of argument where I'm going to get into this discussion bang right. on Aaron Rodgers. But I think a lot of it, I'm just going to come out and say what I thought. I'm not bagging on Aaron Rodgers, but I think there was something up with him. I mean, he just did not look emotionally invested. That's what I mean. That's I'm saying the whole team just felt like they were like separated yes. from their like their effort and their mind space wasn't there. I agree. Like the whole team. I'm not and yeah. obviously nope. like Rodgers nope. stands out because he is like he's the MVP. He's the court you know, right. the quarterback. Right. One, I get what you're saying. one of the best in our in our lifetimes, if not the best. And but you're saying whole team. But I'm saying the team in general, and that probably stems from a few a few main guys. It's just, it's just it's interesting to I see think that Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's I'm. But that's the argument I'm making, though. Is yeah, that Aaron Rodgers was one of them. Right. You know, he two interceptions in Week One. He threw five last year. I mean, he's he's a guy who doesn't throw interceptions. Right. So I'm starting to think that. He's not as particular as he was before, or he's just more gung ho now. I, I don't know. I don't even know what to call I don't, it. No, I don't, the guy I don't just doesn't seem in week one. He didn't seem emotionally charged. There. I don't think it's necessarily that. Maybe I honestly think it was the case that it was like we're gonna walk these guys, and that was like what they went into okay. with this attitude. And when you come in with that attitude, you play terribly. Like it's not even like remotely good. Like it, you play horrible. We've I've been beaten by teams that are way below. You know the camaraderie and, and 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 skill that my team had, but you when you play terribly as a squad and you don't have that effort together, it's one person not doing their job makes other person's job incredibly hard to do. Yes, I'm not in any way disagreeing with what you're saying. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna branch off it in a different direction though. If that is true, that is unprecedented. I guess is what I could call it because. Devontae Adams came into this season saying that this is the hungriest he's ever seen a team. The hungriest. Yeah, well, that's, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm saying this is really weird because that should stand out And to that's me. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Why, 
why did they show out the way they did if they're the hungriest team that Devontae Adams has ever seen? Because I, I just don't see that. Yeah, that's that's what, that's what like I'm saying. Like with the expectation that that's what we're gonna see, the effort is gonna be like over the moon. Maybe it will come up. Maybe what? Maybe it will come up. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, maybe it did. Either way, what I saw in this first game. I mean, where do you start? Bad containment on defense, I mm-hmm. guess, is where I'll start. I had questions about personnel coming into this year. Remember we talked about the we defensive did. line. We called it out. Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry. Besides Kenny Clark, who showed yeah. great effort. I mean, he chased right. the guy down on a few occasions on, right. on that, in that game on, against the Saints. The rest of that defensive line, it was present. They're bad. They're bad, man. They're mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. They're not playing as a unit, that defense, right now. It's... it's- and I'm not saying that all of them are playing with zero effort because they're they are giving effort. It's just not every snap. I think a lot of questions grew from this performance defensively. Mm-hmm. Questioned about personnel, like I said. Questioned about Joe Barry are now making themselves present. Is this guy really fit to be the defensive coordinator in Green Bay? Does he have what it takes? Yeah, he's enthusiastic, but is he smart? Does he have the right schemes to go about it? Questions about the manner of defense. I know for me. I have been begging. I have been an enemy, an opposer of the thought that the zone defense works for Green Bay. Yeah. They tried it again, and they got beat again. Kevin King got toasted on his zone coverage. And like, we, we came under fire, Will. Toasted. A lot of people came out after us and said, we said Kevin King was good. I mean, I guess we did. We, you know, we but were, he's not bad. He showed that he was bad on that. He did get, he did get that, and, but I'm, what I'm getting at is that that, is a symptom of laziness. That's like a that's a that's lazy play. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But because I've seen him play so well. Yes. Like I could name. Well, I'm not going to because I can't off the top of my head. But there, <laughs> there are a lot of corners worse than him. So, what does this mean moving forward? Then we're on the same page that it's an effort thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's probably an effort thing. We're hoping. We're also identifying. Some important factors as well. Joe mm-hmm. Barry, maybe scheme isn't there right now. The zone offense didn't look to work that well in week one. So where do we go from here with everything that we have said? What does it mean moving forward? What does it mean? They, they got the Lions it. on Monday. That'll yeah. be in Tony G's picks of the week coming up. They have lots of primetime games coming up. They have a Thursday night game coming up. They have a couple more uh, primetime major spotlight games. Are we going to have to rethink our picks for this year, Will? Well, I mean, I already am. Yeah, I think it's just natural. They, they got to find guys who are hungry. That's the problem. Apparently, they have, according to Devonte Adams. Well, well, who knows? Wait for them to show up then, because it'll be a good game then. Hopefully, yeah. it's Monday. Hopefully, it is. Hopefully, it's the rest of the season. I mean, Will McCormick going to the game. It's gonna be really weird being in a fully packed stadium. Yeah, like I don't know if I'm ready for that. I've been there twice. Since. Yeah, preseason went to both preseason. Was games. it weird? It was weird, but welcomed. Okay. Certainly welcomed. Right. Being in that unison. Now, granted, I was not partaking, nor was a friend of the show, Christian Jack, in who I went to the game with. Both games. We were not partaking in the waves during offensive possessions and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. We would look right at the board. It says, quiet, offense at work. Oh, okay. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I thought you meant like no, no, no. for like Remember COVID how Matt reasons. Matt came out and said, let's not do the wave during oh, offensive yeah. possessions and things like that. Christian and I were sitting there, arms crossed, like the old well, men shaking a, their fist at the sky. Yeah, what is everyone a, doing? That's a. So we were we were good. We were some of the good fans. I'm not, I'm not we a. I'm not a fan of the wave when 
you're losing. It's like, why are we doing this right yeah, now? Yeah, but it's preseason, so that's probably why a lot of the yeah. fans got into it. Or like roll at the barrel when you're losing. It's like, let's not do this. Let's <laughs> jump around when we're you know down 15. Come on. But we'll see where the Packers go from here. Predictions, Will? Do you want to stick with? I think you had what? What would you have? 11, 11 and 6. 7, 6? Six? 6. 17 games. Because 17 games, so you're at 18, 11 and 6-ish. I was at, what did I say, 13 and 4, I think is what I said. Yeah, you had like or, a, or like 12 and whatever it was. Yes. I may have to rethink that. I still think they'll be in the double digits. You think they're going to be over 500 at the end of the year? Yeah. Okay. They have. They have I think the, that's certainly in question now. No. You don't think so? No. After the play you saw in week one? No. They're, they're fine. Well, it's going to be hard. If, you, if they play like this, it's oh, going to be, be hard horrible. to win eight, nine games. Yeah, no, I agree, but I'm saying that they're, that was way below. So you're thinking they realize that and they're going to pick it up? Yeah. I'm saying they might, but they're, there's, some, there's some holes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm saying that maybe they aren't going to be as successful as people are building them out to be. With that, Will, do you want to transition? Because Packers are on Monday Night Football, which mm-hmm. means that they are automatically slotted into one of my Tony G Show picks of the week. Mm-hmm. You ready to transition? Oh, I'm always ready. Tony G's picks of the week for NFL Week 2. Coming off of the first batch of Tony G's picks of the week of the season, went through this on Tuesday. I was two and three. Will, yeah. not a not a good start to the season. I don't like being under five hundred. Could have been worse. Brings my overall record to seventy three and forty nine. Hey, could have been worse. But let's try to do better on this set of picks. Start here Thursday night football. New York Giants, Washington football team, both teams zero and one. Washington coming off of a close loss against the Los Angeles Chargers. Giants. Did not look good in their week one matchup. They're on the road in Washington. I like Washington's defense. I'm going to give Washington the win. They are favorited. Mm-hmm. Favored. Not favored. 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 That's something else we got yelled at about. Who's yelling about it? That, that English. Who's yelling at us for that? Tony G Nation. Well, we got to call about it. Washington football team is favored. Favored. I say Washington wins 24-13. Sunday noon game. Bengals 1-0 at Bears 0-1. This is going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. I think the case with the Chicago Bears still kind of figuring out the Andy Dalton, Justin Fields thing. They don't have an offensive identity yet. I think there's certainly potential for them to find it, but I think right now they don't have it. I think the Bengals are athletic and talented. Bears are favored by three points, but I go against the favorite. Okay, good. Bengals. Wait, what time is this game? 21-17. This is a Sunday noon game. Uh, let's say Bears at night kind of changes the mood. Yeah. Too bad. One. I can I can see the Bengals at noon, but I yeah, I like your pick. Again, Bengals twenty one seventeen over the Bears. Sunday afternoon game: Cowboys zero one, Chargers one and zero. Chargers favored by two and a half. <sighs> Here's how I lay this out. I could go either way on this one because Cowboys surprised me. They impressed yeah. on Thursday night football mm-hmm. against the Bucks. Took them to the wire. The Super Bowl champions. It could be either team in this game. But here's why I'm going to go with this pick. The Dallas Cowboys have gone from Dallas to Tampa, back to Dallas to Los Angeles. They've gone coast to coast Mm -hmm. in the first two weeks of the season. Granted, they've had more days because they played on Thursday. I think they're going to be a little bit tired. They're going to be a little bit slower. Not many teams 
play well against that Charger defense when they're healthy in Los Angeles. I'm going Chargers. In a close one, score doesn't show up because of a garbage time touchdown. I say 35-27. The two and a half point favorite Chargers are going to win. Sunday night football. Chiefs 1-0 at Ravens 0-1. It's going to be a good game. Mm -hmm. Here's why I make the pick I do. The Ravens can't finish. We saw that on Monday night. Can't finish. Didn't finish in week one against the Raiders. The Chiefs, they can finish. Yeah. They finished week one against the Browns. With an exclamation point. Came back and won with an exclamation point. I say Chiefs on the road, 38-28. Chiefs are the three-and-a-half point favorites. Monday night football, the game we've all been waiting for, Will. Lions 0-1. Packers 0-1. Packers are 11-and-a-half point favorites. Both teams suck. Both teams are reeling. And for, let's tie the music down for this pick. Let's taper it down. Because mm-hmm. for the first time ever, Will McCormick, yeah. in Tony G Picks of the Week history, I'm going to predict a tie. A tie? I'm going to predict a tie. What is the tie score? <laughs> you, are, you are dumb. Will McCormick has no idea about the picks. Nobody knows the picks besides Tony G when I say them. No. The only thing I get to do is look into the doc before the show, like... I look at it a couple days in advance. But what does it say on the doc? Tony G picks of the week, and then it doesn't say the picks because I do them on my notebook. What what's the score? I'm gonna say mid twenty ish. Oh okay, I thought you say like like twenty three or twenty three, twenty six, twenty six. Because the Packers when they don't play well do this. Remember that Monday Night Football game a few years ago when the Lions took them to the wire? Yeah. The Packers had to come back and win on a late field goal by Mason Crosby, and they just narrowly beat them. Mm-hmm. Or remember a few years even back before then. Vikings, Packers, in Lambeau, tied. Both teams weren't playing the best that they could. I say this is the same thing. This happens early in the season with the Packers. That when they don't play their best, other teams don't play their best. We almost saw a tie in week one. Well, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like They play these teams that they're way, way better than. And they just, like for some reason, play down. Sure. And the Lions, is they always play down in Bread the Lions. I think for the first time in Tony G picks of the week history, there's going to be a tie. Here's how this works scoring-wise. If there's a tie, I count that as a win. Yeah. I give it to the devil's advocate here. If they don't tie, if one team wins, if any team wins or loses, I get a loss on the record. I'll okay. take it. I was going to say, if you get a win for that. That's that's how confident I am, Will. Okay. There's going to be a tie on Monday night. Okay. Come on now. Lions-Packers, 26-26. I'll just throw that out there. Tie. Mm-hmm. Here's my uh, Tony G picks of the week. All right. Football team, Bengals. Chargers, Chiefs, tie. tie. Tony G's picks of the week. What an episode this was, Will. Tell you what, if you get if you get the tie right, I'll bring you another uh, cookie cake. Oh, God, please How's don't. How's that sound? <laughs> please don't. Oh, man. I'll bring you two. I've had so much cake birthday over the weekend. I've had so much cake mm-hmm. in the last week, Will. I'm good till next year. We'll find out if they win or tie, so. We won't. In that Isn't case, that you something, might though? Yeah. I mean, that's... I. I it just came to me. This game's going to be a tie. I'm going to say 26 just now 26. decided? I didn't just decide. I decided it in prepping for oh, Tony okay. G's picks of the week. Because Tony G does his homework. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I feel it. A tie is going to be coming on Monday night. I'm going to say mid-20s, 26, 26. All right. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I had nothing else to say. I, I see that. Nope. Yeah. Will didn't have much to add. All right. That'll do it for the Tony G Show. Season 7, episode... What a week this was. Yeah. 
crazy week. Tony G alone on Tuesday for an episode. Ben Cole on Wednesday. Tony G show interviews first of the season September series. He was great. Check that out if you haven't already. And then a Thursday episode between Will and I. Packed, loaded, Ryan Braun discussion, Green Bay Packer discussion, Tony G picks of the week. What an episode it was. What a week Fun one. I can't wait till next week. Yeah, me too. I'll see you then, Will. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next time on The Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 